Welcome to Nerdvana, where we align your nerd chakra and Mercury is always in retro geek with your hosts, Patty Cakes and Johnny Discotech. Welcome to Nerdvana. This is the episode number 32, and we have a very special guest joining Patty and myself, Johnny. That is Saraswati Jones. She is badass, ass, ass, badass. Make it Um, up. Very happy to have her on. This was a surprise to me when Patty told me that somebody wants to come on our podcast. I was like, yay. (laughs) First of all, we have a few people that want to. It's just that our schedules are terrible. Oh but also, that was able to come on our podcast yes as with our but really I, really bad schedule she messaged me and not not sh- no shade to anybody else but i i love her and she's one of my oh, yeah. favorites that's right first Dude. come first serve y'all <laughs> um and i like absolutely like appreciate all the love that you give me and i feel like we have like Aww. our own little brown girl cipher <laughs> like you know our we're part tribe so like creative brownies and i've never oh and it was really funny because when i was i was doing my old podcast i hadn't met her yet and i already felt like she was like you know cousins you know like i already felt that vibe and when we met i was like she was like you want the last samosa she was like here take a chicken wing and a samosa and i was like yo <laughs> this bitch right here <laughs> That's right. That's right. We hadn't even met yet, I think. Yeah. Patty and I talked years ago. Hi, everyone at home. I'm Saraswati Jones, and I'm happy to be here. Well, let's do an introduction, because right now, you're just another one of our wacky friends, but you're way, way (laughs) cooler than our wacky friends. Well, actually, our wacky friends are all cool. Yeah. Um, You're pretty cool, too. Thanks, guys. I feel like it's mutual. Saraswati Jones has a multiple facets of her personality that excel the one that for me that's the the most important being a musician is that she is a musician she's a musician that i would love to jam with at some point well she comes to new york to make it happen sometimes we're gonna make it happen guys I, i know it's hard because you came to New York and I was like, oh no, I'm not here that weekend. <laughs> You're also raising a human, right? I am. I'm raising a human and yeah. that takes up a lot of work too. <laughs> so I hear. But it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's and awesome. You're, but also she's super busy because she's always doing something really badass and cool too. I know that like. Oh, I know. That's why I'm <laughs> jealous. Yeah, you do. I'm brown girl brush, blushing over here. You cannot see it, but oh my God. <laughs> Like it's 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 what our parents... <laughs> yeah, it's like our what you know, like our like brown culture. You know, you're supposed to do more than one thing. You know, like you're supposed oh, yeah. to be good at school, and you're supposed to be like, I don't know, like a good dancer or singer. I don't know. You know how mm-hmm. like brown, like you'll always perform in front of your families. And oh stuff. yeah, the goddess has many arms. You know, you, <laughs> you got to cover all of them. Yeah. So. True. I mean, you're definitely going to help us fill in the gaps with everything. I know you do Girls Rock. Um, and our other friend, Muna, does it. Does Girls Rock in Girls Houston. Rock Houston yeah. And you do what branch? Boston? 
I just stepped down after three years on the board at Boston. Yeah, I was the president. I made them all call me Madam President after the oh disappointing election. Of well, that's as you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. Uh, so three years at Girls Rock Camp, three years on the board, but eight years altogether. And now I just moved to Phoenix, Arizona in um, December of last year. So I'm, I'm starting to work a little bit um, and get friendly with um, Girls Rock Camp Phoenix. They're awesome, too. <gasps> Wait, are you, did you move? I moved. Yes. That's the biggest news. You're in, in Phonix? I'm in Phonix, the Phonix area, I should say. When did you move? At the end of 2018, December, 2018, we okay, okay, all okay. and moved across the country. And yeah, you know that I come, I'm going to definitely be coming to Phoenix in the near future. So maybe we can actually, if we didn't get to jam here, maybe we'll be jamming Phoenix. Uh, yes, please come everyone. It's hot as, hot hot as hell in Phoenix. You were in December. You have no idea what you're in store for. I know when we moved, everybody's like, okay, so you've been here during the summer, right? And we're kind of like, no, I, I was just there this last August. Really? Oh my God. Was it an inferno? It's, you know, okay, so, like, you know when you stand in front of an oven and, like, heat comes out of it? <laughs> when you have the door open and you're, like, standing in front of it? Now, imagine that blowing at you. It's blowing at you. Because there's wind sometimes. <laughs> or, like, when you're driving and you have the windows open. It's like an oven. Like, you can see the heat. Yeah, every I'm, I'm pretty terrified. But here's, here's the catcher, um, or the kicker, I suppose. Uh, we have a pool. And so we can jam. Everybody has a pool in Phoenix because you, you need to. to, otherwise you die. <laughs> <laughs> well, come jam poolside. And anybody else um, listening, if you're listening. But you know what is awesome is that you can use the pool. What's awesome is you can use the pool in like winter sometimes. Yeah. Or like at least fall and, sp- and spring. We were out there in like December and January and the neighbors all yeah, there immediately you go. knew that we were from the East Coast because they were like, you guys just moved here, didn't you? You know, to everyone else, it was like sixty-five and sunny, you know, on January third right. or whatever, and we were soaking it up. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so big, big move. Um, we went from we is my partner Azar and I, also my bassist. Um, we we yeah. moved from Boston to to Phoenix for some professional and artistic opportunities, and and we haven't looked back. So yeah, it's it's February. So that I was I was curious because when. You said you moved. Did you? Did your band? Are you guys still together? Like, mm, that's a good question. We are in. Um, we're kind of. I, we're calling it a hiatus right now because with the distance, it's just obviously impossible to to play gigs and rehearse. But we're still producing music. Actually, we have an, a full. Our first full length album is coming out this year. We're in the oh final right now. But yeah, was though. A W A A Z space D O. My Can band. you do like a limited vinyl print? I'll buy multiple copies. <laughs> oh my god! Please do because your art. Every time you put some art together, it's always like exactly what I was thinking. Oh. That your art emits like I. I think like we. I, I want to backspace for a second, right? Because we were talking about a lot of things that you do, and like you're a musician, yeah, but you're more than just a musician. There's a lot of art that goes behind your music. And this is what I really like about you, that you bring in a little, like, you know, like you, you bring in rock, you bring in jazz, you bring in your culture. Like, and that's really interesting because there's not many brown rock-ish type of, and it's kind of folksy too. And it's very fun. Like there's a little hints of ska. And um, my favorite thing is you doing Bollywood covers. Mm-hmm. That's how we started, for sure. 
And so that's how I actually ended up like, you know how people share things online. That's how I ended up finding out about you because of your like really cool covers and your band is super talented. Like you have a really good setup and like, it's like, oh, you're not just a cover man. You actually have like your own music that that you do, and you guys like do a couple of tours. Like, I would like was a tour is a really big word for it, or like I know you guys do a couple of shows here and there. We, yeah, we did. We did some kind of we did a lot of mini tours. I would say last year, like two cities. You know, we would drive and play. A night well, that's and kind of the way to do it if when you don't have a company backing you, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're we're independent musicians, right? Like so many of the artists that you feature um, and it's just like when you even even bands who have a label it's not a glamorous thing like it was in the 80s and 90s where they're like paying for your hotel room and flying you to new york no it's just like you better like your band because when you're in a van that many hours together and you're like eating every meal together and you're paying for it (laughs) but you know the good thing is i know everything about that yeah, exactly. Right, right, Johnny, you you toured a little little bit with your band, right? And you so you know like the pains. Yeah, we went on the road for like weeks at a time. Oh gosh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, you know better than I. Actually, my old band, I used to tour with my the very first band I was ever in in Boston, and that was a lot of fun. But it was like very, it was twelve or fifteen very different personalities and eating patterns. Oh wow! Yeah, that many people in the band. Well, we, we were touring with another band, and so... Oh, okay, yeah. Actually, we, I was in a 10-person band, um, the first band I was ever in, but... Um, was that a ska we, band? <laughs> I would say it was art rock. It was art like... Art ska. Art ska. <laughs> yeah, it was like... I would say it was like an abstract impressionist post-punk ska art performance band. Um, yeah. Not, not really, but it that was... Makes sense. But it was just clear to me that, wow... You know, this kid who is with us in the van, this drummer from San Francisco, uh, he was like, you know what? <laughs> he was a total stoner. It was so great. He's like, dude, doesn't matter how good your drummer is or like how chill, how what really matters is how chill the person is. OK, like they could be the best technical drummer, but if they're not chill, you don't want to tour with them. <laughs> so I was like, OK, great. From now on, I'm always going to play music with people I love to be around. You know, and that's, that's that's how I put true. my band together. Yeah. That's awesome. That was not my, my, so the band I was in with, I mean, we had a great time. Don't get me wrong. Cause when you're on the road, it doesn't matter. But when we're not on the road and we're home and we have to deal with each other's while also dealing with our real world problems, mm-hmm. that's when we got under each other's throats. Oh, I see. Um, on the road is always awesome. I mean, you're having Dude, fun. But she also, you've taken, you forgot this major point. She also tours with her husband, who's her bassist. <laughs> Which or makes it even better. Like, you can't even... Oh. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a sweetheart, and he's so sweet. But, oh, my God. Like, I was just thinking if I had to tour with my boyfriend. I love him to death. <laughs> I mean... I'm going to be honest with you, Patty. That's called marriage. And it doesn't matter whether you're touring or not. But work, you're always with you're, that other person. But you're not working <laughs> with says, them. You're not bed, working. You're there. You wake up. Oh no, you're work. No, you're but there. you are working with them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I go to my job. But you know, you know what I mean? I have to side with Patty because, you know, being a good partner, a good domestic partner, a good spouse, a good lover, those things are very different than being a good creative partner, right? Like sometimes there's yeah. an overlap, right? You have to be tolerant. You have to be open-minded. But honestly, Uzzer and I, we, we, we click on so many levels. We love a lot of the same. We love so much of the same music. But when, when he first stepped into the band, we were both kind of like, okay, this is an experiment. We're going to see how we vibe yeah it's gonna be Fleetwood Mac (laughs) (laughs) no oh they're so first of all you need to totally check out her like pictures with them together and their photo shoots and it's like I've seen it well for the audience like (laughs) what our our engagement or yeah yeah it was so cute I was like, oh, like in the background, there's like doves playing flutes, like little oud flutes and like sitar playings in the background. (laughs) But he had guy liner on. I know he he definitely was rocking some amazing. That's the the dizzy thing to do to look cool. And because you're both rock, you know, like you're both like. He's my spouse. I have to say shout out to all the D.C. old school punks out there. Really? That like he really comes from that tradition, so to speak, you know, and and like he grew up going to shows where people would, you know, in church basements and people would bring like cans of food and help out the local domestic violence shelter. And like, really, it was about the music, but it was so much about community. And I think from him, you know, I, I really learned more about that model that, you know, DC punk rock was an ethos. And we really, really we, we want to embrace that in our music and in all of our future projects too, that it's not just about like making an awesome record and having awesome, whatever promo shots and a cool video. That's all fine, you know, but I think what's so different about what our project is and actually something that infuses all of my work is that it's all about creating social change. It's all about building community and it's all about showing love, you know, because that's, to me, that's why I'm an artist on the side. <laughs> and that's on why the side. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I am a professional artist, but I can't do it full time. And most people can't, you know. No, but, I was so broke when I did it. Oh, my God. Why do you think I stopped doing it? I was broke <laughs> as hell. Exactly. I spent so much money on so much stuff. You know how it is. What gear? or Everything, not just gear, like <laughs> getting to shows, gasoline, like there's oh, just yeah. so much involved. It's so real. Listen, when you all go to shows and they're like, chip in some money for gas for the band, it's so real. Like, gas is expensive. <laughs> uh, everyone Food, really, really shelter. Good. Yeah, even people, even if they have glamour, like, fame and recognition, not that I would know, but it's not, um, it doesn't mean that people are have money. And I think a lot of us assume that. We see an independent comedian or musician or artist and see their face and hear their name, you know, and even if they're they're well known that doesn't mean that they're making a, a living or even anything even covering their costs sometimes so no, I mean, it, you know, support yeah. <laughs> support johnny when he's out there yeah. well, i don't i don't I, mean, I would love to do it i just you know what it is is i've always been a guitar player and mm-hmm. i'm and i'm a good guitar player but i i, I hate play, being yeah. in, in a band I, I hate being in a band with with in a project just for the sake of being it i'd like to be in a project because i want to be in it Mm-hmm. And I haven't found that in a long time. Right. Right. And I'm not good enough to carry the band myself. Like, I'm not a good singer. Like, I could do it, but I'm not like, I'm not like you, you know? <laughs> oh, God. That's right. Ain't nobody likes Chris Lucky Jones. That's what nobody. I'm saying. Nobody. No, I, I think, you know, honestly, I think it, I think Owazo worked for five years 
and my solo stuff works because I really, I think it's because I'm a social organizer. Like, you know, we were talking about yeah. Girls Rock Camp Boston. I am at, at my heart, at my best, I am in the zone when I'm getting people together, telling them where to go, giving them information, re- reminding them of context, just being their you, cheerleader. And that's you why. Just, you just, you do realize, I just want to put a pause yeah. on that. That's a brown auntie. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. I auntie my band so hard. I'm like, did you eat? <laughs> Like, are you okay? Do you have a ride home? Because I'm worried. Can you text me when you get home? And my, my guitar player who's like, okay, listen, I'm, I'm like a 42-year-old software engineer. You don't have to, you know, I'll, I'll be fine. If that's not <laughs> the most brownest that follow-up. Is. That's like the brownest follow-up. He's a software engineer. <laughs> I mean, I feel him, you know. I'm a 40-year-old software engineer, and I play guitar all the time. <laughs> uh, not to bust all you rad uncles out. I mean, that's cool. But, you know, auntie's got an auntie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally don't. I'm not denying that I don't. I'm just saying. You do realize that that's why we're so good at this shit. Oh, yeah. it's You're also also good at it. Like, you have a (laughs) talented, like, and it's, I'm not saying this, you know, some people would say this is like, oh, it's like a a, a super big comma, I'm I'm blushing. But, like, the fact is, like, you were born with a talent that not everybody's born with. I can't sing. No matter what I do, I've taken lessons. I just, I can sing on key. It's just, I don't have a voice. And that Mm. is something you have you know and that's what i love about your music is that like when i hear it and it's you know the best thing about it is it's and is that it's a real voice on top of that you know like there's a lot of really quote unquote great singers out there that mm-hmm. there's like nothing there's like almost all pop music there's like nothing alive there in their voice even though it's so good but like what i like with her is that not only do you sing but you also play instruments and your voice is very recognizable it's it's very similar to your normal voice when you talk. So it's kind of like, you know how we joke about like, you know, rat aunties, like that's what a rat auntie sounds like, you know, like doing shit, asking if you're hungry and then fucking sing you like lovely songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. About, about fucking up the government. I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm Bengali. You know, that's, I grew up in a Bengali household where it's like, you know, you, you eat a good meal, you eat some sweets, you talk about resistance, and then you sing a song. It's like so Fuck natural. Yeah. It's part of the whole experience. But truly, no, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate that. I really, singing is like really something I don't overthink. I try not to overthink it. You know, I I, I get shy hearing my own voice. Who doesn't, right? Yeah, um, of course. When, you, when I listen back to it, I'm like, oh, God, I sound like a dork. Especially um, when you listen to back to it without the music playing when you're doing recordings. Oh, Lord. Because <laughs> no, you sing differently you're really when you're singing. Music. Unless you are Whitney Houston, you should not be listening to your own isolated vocal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but by the way, if you if y'all please Google Whitney Houston isolated vocals, oh uh, and on, there is a, oh I have they're amazing. She like she's part of natural. She's she was of another world. And, Dude, she's like operatic. Yeah, like a little it's bit. Just something. Like, well, she just had like a natural born, like yeah. unbelievably naturally born prodig- prodigal skill. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of talent. It's just, it, it's so, you can't overthink it. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. You just go with what you, you tap into this intuitive bodily thing and you just do it. And you know, singing is really my instrument. I've, I've embraced that this year more than ever. I'm starting to really think of myself as a vocalist and think that's enough. You know, I compose vocally. I, I love that you say that because like I used to play like unlike Johnny I stopped playing music I don't I haven't even I used to play in little bands here and there or like 
but nothing like to a show. I've never done a show and I would love to. And I feel like I've gotten so old, like I forgot how to play guitar and I mm-hmm. forgot to do this and stuff. I used to play, I used to perform in school, like for school stuff, but that's mm-hmm. not your music or stuff you really want. You know what I mean? Right. And so I feel like I've always kind of hummed. Like, you know, I feel like when you're musically inclined, you always kind of have those, you can kind of sing. I feel like mm-hmm. anyone plays music you'll know you could sing a little bit you may not be able to hit those Mariah Carey notes <laughs> I don't right but my voice is not horrible and I love that you're saying that your voice is your musical instrument because I feel like as I've gotten older I feel like I've kind of got a lot like really upset at myself for not playing like actual music mm. and then I then, like I sing all the time and I hum and I don't realize that I do it all the time mm-hmm. and I feel like it's been kind of like my musical instrument too as I've gotten older and I think that's really cool how you put that too Oh, thank you. You know, it's so true. I feel like vocalists often get in in the what I'm learning more and more about the music world. You know, vocalists sort of get short shrift, and uh, in the pop world, of course, we think immediately of vocalists. You know, when right. we think of musicians, but but really, uh, jazz musicians and and as, and as people who anybody in some in a dedicated especially western art when we think of true musicianship we think of instrumentalists not always i mean there's of course exceptions for opera and stuff but but you know one wonderful thing um that i learned this summer i went to another this has been like my year of artistic growth okay i went to a program this summer in banff national park in canada in alberta canada and yeah, it was crazy. It was in the Canadian Rockies. It was like me and 90 other amazing, no, maybe 60 other amazing vocalists from all around the world, vocalist composers. And we were there to sort of learn how to write or some of us were extremely accomplished, you know, concerto, you know, pianists. And some of us were just like, you know, starting out and there was Carnatic musicians and there was opera singers. It was, it was a crazy, wonderful time. Hey, how do you find things like this? Um, you know, uh, this thing, Google, it was invented in like 98. Yeah, but I don't know how to use it. I'm like an old person. Like I know how to use it, but not, I don't know that you can find things that I don't, I wouldn't think to look up something. Right. Like. No, totally. Sorry for the sass. I'm joking. Um, no, totally. I feel, I, I feel like, like, let me Google this for you. <laughs> let me Google this for you. No, that's a good question actually. And I really want to share this with everyone. Cause part of the reason I'm going on the press junket here is because, I think a lot of us don't even think to apply to shit like this because we don't even know it exists. And I didn't know, you know, the only reason I knew is because uh, I think a friend of mine, a couple friends of mine in Boston, both women who are rad composers, they both come from more classical tradition, but they both did this residency program in Vermont called the Marble House Pro- Project. Everyone write that down, Marble House Project. I think the um, applications are due in December, but it's three weeks on a beautiful farm in Vermont. You know, you do your thing, they feed you, you, you know, have organic meals, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, I didn't know when my friends were both like, oh, we did this. It was amazing. You should totally apply. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've never been to music school. I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm a punk. Like, I, they're not looking for me. You know, these people are like looking for people that perform at the MFA. And they're like, don't you perform at the MFA? And I was like, well, yeah, but that's, di- you know, that's different because I'm a punk. <laughs> and I quickly realized that. Um, I use tabs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly I used to have, or just like you know memorize the three chords that I know on the ukulele um, <laughs> <laughs> everything's in G everything's in G I think that what I did was I was like oh wow this is a cool program and I actually didn't get into that one so I googled 
art, you know, residency programs for songwriters and like lists and lists and lists of stuff came up and I just got cheeky and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to apply to like a ton of stuff. And, and lo and behold, I got into like three programs, you know, and I, it, it was a good process for me because what it made me do was sit my butt down and make what I call it, like what an artist's CV, you know, because I realize I have my like life CV where it's like, here's the jobs I've had, here's the volunteering I've done, blah, blah, blah. But I never had sat and thought about what are the key gigs I've played? What are the awards I've won? What are the, you know, in, uh, what's the press that I've done? Because, you know, freaking people have written about me. Thanks, Basim. Shout out to Basim Usmani of Cominas in the New York Times. People have written about my band, you know, and like that, that matters. And so I, when I pull together a CV and it doesn't have to be the world's greatest thing, it's just having your accomplishments in front of you helps. For me, the most important thing was helping fight the imposter syndrome, you know, and helping like fight that instinct that, oh, I'm not a real artist because I don't really art, you know. But man, when I looked back on the stuff that I'd done, collaborations with people I met on Daisy Punks, you know, Sharman Hussein in New York City, working with Bangladeshi youth and theater and resistance theater, you know, that was Shout like, out to DPX. <laughs> shout out to DPX. But, you know, honestly, the DPX community has given me so many wonderful connections like that. And because of them, I've been able to, like you said, Johnny, you know, go after projects that were meaningful to me. And then and I also being in Boston really, I think help. I, I think New York oh, City. Yeah. So New York City is awesome, and I love it. And I'll never move, and I hate Boston. But what I give <laughs> Boston credit for is that the music community in Boston is real, and the music yeah. community in New York City is cutthroat. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. I would say, yeah, it's true. In, in Boston, most of the musicians I knew do it out of pure joy and love it's for the awesome. I that's yeah. like the one thing that makes me go, okay, I can't fully burn Boston to hell is the music scene. It's so good. It's so good. Because it's real. It's like not about being famous. It's just about making good music. Right. Right. And, and as you said, doing activism. Yeah. It's heady and people really care and they want their music to, to be a part of their identity and their, and not just music too. There's visual artists and podcasters and people that are creating new media, you know, after work, you know, like at night because they <laughs> feel so moved to do it, you know, like y'all are, you know, while the so, baby sleeps. While the baby sleeps, exactly. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm just Hopefully. very, I feel lucky to do all this and I'm, I'm, I'm totally babbling. So you guys take the wheel. No, babbling is good. Um, so actually, I wanted a question uh, about that follow-up. What mm-hmm. do you do at the residency? Mm, that's a good question. Every residency is different. Um, they're all different in length. There are different. Some of them give you a stipend. Some of them give you nothing. Some of them ask you to pay. <laughs> so, um, But what do you do at the residency? Well, the two that I've experienced were very, very different. The first one this summer in Canada, it was a week long. So it was a very short period of time. Um, and every minute was structured. It was a, it was really amazing to learn as much as I did, but it was like, you know, wake up, classes on vocal massage and vocal technique. Then you have a fifteen minute break, and then you have to rehearse, and then you, then there's a showcase that night with the faculty, and then I mean, it was like jam packed, you know. But the cool thing was, and a side note, there was a lot of important and very hard conversations about institutional racism that came up that that week. And so that actually ate up a lot of bandwidth for me and a lot of the other faculty and students of color. Um, but anyway, that's a, that was probably my biggest takeaway from Banff, honestly, was, wow, the art world is just as racist as the real world. Surprise. Um, <laughs> but so that was an extremely scheduled 
you know, jam-packed prescribed kind of program, right? This thing I'm doing right now in Taos, it's called the Helene Wurlitzer Foundation. Um, it's a three-month residency program. Wow. And they give you basically a little casita, a mini house, and a, a you know traditional adobe style um, house in uh, Taos, New Mexico, which is a, a city in the north, in the mountains, basically, of northern New Mexico. Um, and they just give you the keys and, and say, you know, welcome. We hope you enjoy your time here. You don't have, we don't have any deliverables. You don't have to talk to anyone else if you don't want to. <laughs> it can be a little, a little nutty. There's some days. So you're just like, renting basically uh, an Adobe hut for six months or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, no, three months. There's, or two months. And there's, do you pick the people you're staying yeah. in that with or no? No, 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 no. I mean, I have my own house, right? So the foundation pays all my bills and they, they pay the rent. Um, but what they ask of the artists, you know, their, their goal is to support the artists and support the creative process. And so some people come and they just realize they're exhausted and they need to sleep for three months, you know, and read. Um, I, I have I have a couple of questions. What's please. the weather? What's the weather like there? And is this still happening? Because like I could definitely use a six month musical endeavor. <laughs> it's, it's definitely still it happens year round. Um, Taos is beautiful in every season. It's three months, um, about three months. So right now it's winter. So it's, it's snowy some days. It's extremely sunny during the day. It's beautiful. Um, like today, you can actually get sunburned in February here. So you have to wear some, even, even me. Uh, and you know, you know, we have a lower threshold for burning, but still, um, I have to wear sunscreen, but then at night it's the desert, right? So this is called the high desert in, in Northern New Mexico. Um, there's very little moisture when you're out of the sun, it's extremely cold. So, um, I would say anybody who's thinking about visiting Taos or spending some time here as an artist, um, definitely come in the, in the late spring, like May or th through maybe October. That's when it's really, really beautiful. And you can take some hikes that will change your worldview, <laughs> you know? So it's beautiful. Um, and I don't, I can talk forever about this. It's also very problematic. You know, it's, we're here on indigenous land and every, all the artists that are celebrated in Taos, at least in the, in the art world are European settlers and people who play and, and engage in European art, you know? And so, and, and honestly, Taos is fascinating because there's the oldest indigenous community in America is that ha, that's continuously inhabited. It's a thousand year old Pueblo, they call it. Um, there's still, there's people there whose ancestors, you know, they've been on this land. It's not a reservation. It's a Pueblo. And do, they, do you, yeah. have, do you, does somebody, so somebody's obviously paying for the houses, right? Right. Yep. Are um, you paying or something? The grant pays it. The grant pays it. Right. So, okay. um, so and the, and the, does that money go to the people on the reservation? Oh no. At least no. rent or whatever. Nope. Well, it's like complicated. It's, if it's on reservation territory, they must be paying for like rent or something. Well, we're not, we're not on reservation territory. Again, it's a Pueblo, so it's not a reservation, but it is, when I say we're on indigenous land, I mean, all of this used to be. Taos well, Pueblo. yeah, of course. I mean, that's, right? all the, that's the whole Americas. That's the whole United States. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, um, so it's, it's complicated because some of the land is leased here from Taos Pueblo and people do have what's called 99 year leases. I'm not sure if this is actually the, like if the land 
was purchased from the Pueblo if we're, if we're on a leased land. Okay. But the thing to know is that in Taos and many places in the Southwest, but particularly here in New Mexico, um, a lot of Western, um, like a lot of folks from New York City, actually, <laughs> a lot of folks from New York City, like wealthy European American families would um, come. They often make their money in the industrial Midwest. And then around the turn of the 20th century, like late 1800s, early 1900s, they would they would come out to like, quote unquote, you know, far flung lands in the American West, which was developing then um, because of the prospecting and the push westward. And they would say, you know, we want to we want to paint the real America. And so people would come up, come here from New York City and they would find Taos. And it. I don't mean to be all woo woo, but it's magical. You know, the, the light here has a very special quality, the mountains the sacredness of the lands. You know, Are you the, trying the, to convert us? Cause <laughs> kind of, is it working? It's totally working. <laughs> you know, that the, the, the cool thing about some of those states in, in the Midwest, or it's not the Midwest, but the Southwest, is that vast chunks of that land, unlike the East Coast, is still native land. Um, oh, yeah. Arizona, mm-hmm. New Mexico, it's like, the majority of land is still native. Whereas when you come to New York and they have like dots, <laughs> you know, oh, you have yeah. this, this little tiny bit around well, this pond. That's your land. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's one thing about living in Arizona too. Like the entire Northeastern part of the state is Navajo land, you know? Yeah. And cool. it all, it's, it's so, it's so, um, it's very, I don't even know. You know, you're in the, you know, you're in the most, uh, you're in the most gun free or freedom for guns state in the, the country, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I totally. Have you bought yourself uh, a six shooter yet? <laughs> no. I'm no. A I, it's, it's scary when I see, you know, I do see people once in a while open carrying and you know that I've done that in Arizona, right? <laughs> How would I know that? <laughs> Oh, I did see it on the news. Yes, yes, yes. I did. Ah! You, were the guy? you were the guy. I was one of the guys open carrying in Arizona. Oh my God. Well, pretty... you know what? You got to exercise your rights. It was, it was pretty enlightening, yeah. if, I, if you don't you know what I'm saying. Oh God. Oh God. Oh I fear God. for you. I just, you, well, well you totally were, t- you, well, I'm just going to let you know that you totally made it one of my like, things to do and you should totally to check it out it's very cool and over there. like i might just go for like a month and you... plant peppers in your backyard and yes! start to film it because like because you know everybody knows i like pepper sauce and grow my own stuff and that's the brown auntie in me like that's the oh. guyanese in me like the west indian in me like we plant everywhere we go and so like dude like i'll hook up your damn backyard like all of a sudden you're like why do we have like a little greenhouse Girl, we got sugar cane. Greenhouse, oh my god. god! You don't need a greenhouse in Arizona. It's hot as hell. I know, but like for the nighttime, so they don't get too cold. You have to. It is. We're talking desert. about yeah, because you could have it in. It could be self-sustaining. Because I've looked at self-sustaining greenhouse. Because obviously, it's one of my hobby. Like you know, because I'm a nerd. Um, I've always thought about having a green, like a self-sustaining greenhouse, and like there's a mm-hmm. lot of architecture in Arizona because of the own its own heat that would generate it. But it doesn't matter. All the sciencey stuff behind it. But it would make great sugar. You could have sugar cane all year round and mangoes. 
<laughs> that is pretty West Indian of you. I love it. I so love like it. we might be end up we I, we might end up being neighbors, and then like we're gonna have like our drum circle every night when we have dinner. <laughs> I'm like starting a new wave of colonization. I'm, I'm just like, trying to think, of, think about Brown, Patty living we're out. like land. We're like I'm never. I'm just gonna be like, um, let's just plant this here. What What do you guys want to eat? And like, you know, <laughs> sit there and like, my partner and I will just just come out and live and just say screw this because we're so always so disgusted by the congestion in New York City, mm-hmm. and I'm just so over this whole public transportation nonsense. Oh, no. I'm gonna bring my hammock. I'm gonna like my cousins are probably gonna come too, so they'll be down the block making mad noise. And you gotta drive up. everywhere though. That's okay. I won't have to drive if everything I need is in my confines. Our neighbors are gonna start That's looking true. at us like, well, where goes the neighborhood? It's no, gonna they're be gonna like think wild, wild country. It'll be like wild, wild. I, I was just thinking that. I was like, it's, like, what's gonna happen is they're gonna be like, why are these brown people with Subarus here? Why? Really like I don't. They look brown, but their music sounds Jamaican. <laughs> Um, is that jerk chicken I smell with curry? No, no, that's jerk chicken. They were like, I smell something. Sounds smell <laughs> like, funny. Or like we have like a cookout and it's like jerk chicken. They're like, oh, I thought you guys did curry. Like, yeah, that's another pot over there. And they're like, what? I'm confused. Yeah. It just confused the shit out of them. Because my cousin. Honestly, please come visit. We would love to I help will. you. Um, we have an act like. Well, I should say Tempe. We live in Tempe, Arizona, which is home of Arizona State University. I know um, Tempe is. Yeah, Tempe. It's actually, we were surprised. We didn't I, know anything my, about... You know, there's another DPXer that lives in Tempe. Or no. at least in that area, close to Tempe, Mesa. We'll have yeah. to pronounce uh, Dr. Yeah. Buttercario? And they you play music, know? so if you need a guitar player, you've got to convince them. Or- oh, Okay. Well, what I was going to say was Tempe is very global. It's very international. And, you know, we were kind of surprised by that because we thought Arizona was, you know, everybody on the East Coast was like, it's red. You're going to be careful. You guys are like, it's very scary. But honestly, uh, I think Arizona is really interesting or the Phoenix area. It's, It's not quite as I imagined it, you know, having never been there before last year. It's it's extremely diverse. It's extremely global. And it's a majority of people of color state which does explain a lot of the reactionary politics, you know, but you know, it's, it is really amazing to be surrounded at all times by people from, by immigrants, by indigenous folk, by Mexican folks, you know, by Chicago, like first generation, yeah, second very, generation. Very diverse. It's very, very diverse. And it's very, you know, I'll just say the food is amazing because, you know, people come from, from all over and, and it's really, really cool to live in a place that, like you said, you know, it's, it's indigenous country, like this entire country is, but I think living in a place like Arizona and, and, and we're part of the problem, right? Phoenix is just expanding ever westward into the desert, you know, and Holy <laughs> crap. you Have guys you are up? five hours away though. Like by flight from New York to Arizona, mm-hmm. it's five hours and 43 minutes nonstop. Oh, Patty's coming. She's getting her recipes ready. You pack that hammock. I I can, I could just order one on like and, and just let it ship to you. That's true. You gotta be yeah. careful of scorpions. Oh my god! I'm not gonna have one? scorpions. Oh, I have. In a I'm stuck on one. Barefoot. Oof. Yeah, but that's because I'm you're too brown. Oh my god! <laughs> the scorpions are the one thing. Like I'm like ah uh, scorpions. Oh, oh man! God, and the smaller they are, the worse they are. Oh really? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
they're more venomous when they're small and green. Man, okay. you see, okay, That's I'm staying my ass right here. <laughs> yeah, the most venomous creature in Boston was like, like the cockroach. <laughs> yeah, the cockroach. Well, the cockroaches were tame. It was the pigeons. Okay, the, I'm speaking of public transportation. <laughs> those pigeons are assholes. Okay, there was a pigeon that actually took a piece of pizza out of my hand. <laughs> oh man, it's like New York rats. <laughs> oh. Yeah. They'll steal your whole bacon, egg, and cheese. The rats. Really? They're like, oh, they're like, yo, rub me my pockets, give me your AirPods, and give me your bacon, egg, and cheese. You got an Arizona iced tea in there? I see it. I see it. Just hand it over. Exactly. I'm like, yo, charming though. No, I'm like, kidding. Damn. Yeah, those rats are scary. I've I've seen I've seen the Ninja Turtles. I I understand. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, was cool, but yeah, I just I think that's so. On your on your now your um your wild wild country confine. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you My like? <laughs> your, your music compound. <laughs> yeah, this is Grand Oh my god! So I'm just curious. So I know that you also are doing music solo, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just put out so, some new tracks. Sirsopikos.bandcamp.com. If you wish to pay the artist, otherwise Spotify, you bastards. Gotcha. I just I just saw it on spot. I was like trying to share it on Spotify and stuff. Yeah. So like how share it how on Bandcamp that she gets paid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't, I'm not. It's on Instagram. I'm trying my best here, bro. I hear you. I hear um. You. So you, like, how long how long have you been doing your solo project, and how is the Arizona music scene? Oh, good. All good questions. So my solo project I've been doing since 2011, since I started making music. Um, it's always been sort of a I put out my first album in 2013 and my only album, my EP. Um, and then I kind of transitioned into Owazdo. Owazdo was originally the Stars with the Jones backing band, but it mm-hmm. soon became its own thing. So I really, you know, the last few years I've been really intensely focused on my band and like our band, I should say. It went from my band to really our band and cultivating our own unique sound um, and I largely put my solo stuff kind of to the side, even though I was still writing stuff and still performing solo once in a while, <clears throat> actually frequently, <laughs> as my CV will tell you. But um, yeah, no, but then I realized that, yes, I'm, I'm bummed that I won't be able to play with a Wazdo for a while. And it's going to be more of a limited edition kind of thing. But it, this is really allowing me the chance to um, get back into my solo work and my solo um, songs, you know, and I'm just exploring right now. I don't know what Saraswati Jones sounds like because every song I've ever written has been composed on a different instrument, you know? And one direction that I'm stretching in um, is learning sitar. I've been a student of sitar for like, well, I've been kind of a half-assed student for seven years, you know, I just, which means that I would go to parties and be like, hey man, give me your sitar, you know, and just play it by ear. But I've really been, the last couple of years I've been learning um more intent with more intention with my art i think our friend i don't know if y'all have met omar wakar right yep of sarmust and um evil art forum so he's my sitar teacher yeah. you know he we, we meet by skype every week and um he's out in la now and we meet every week he's an excellent teacher because he totally gets where i'm coming from you know as a punk musician as somebody we were both kind of you know, have heard South Asian music and beats and, and, you know, melodic structure our entire lives. It was always kind of playing in the background, but we both came through music in the Western tradition. So he totally can explain things to me in ways that I get it, you know? 
Um, and, and also he's a, he's a vocalist too. So anyway, whatever, he's awesome. He's like my punk sitar guru. And, and so I've been focusing more on writing music on sitar and what that sounds like and what that means. And that's been wonderful because I've never really had the time to just sit down. You know, sitar is one of those things like you really, you really have to give it some time and devote to it. And, and I mean, there's like eight, it. like 800 strings. There's like 800 strings. It hates every weather pattern. It's like, oh, great. It's cold. Yeah. Like, well, that's the thing I never understood. You know, hmm. like India is a civilization that's existed for thousands of years, unlike Western culture. And they created the sitar thousands of years ago, and they used pegs because that's the technology of the day. Manual. But we've moved forward in life and like <laughs> mechanical systems have been created to create machine tuners that we use in guitars. Why can't we have a sitar that uses tuning pegs. I mean, not tuning pegs, tuning machines instead. Oh, that way this is, they stay in so tune. So hold that thought. We're going to use this as our business when we all move to the confine <laughs> and we don't ever have to move. Like, that's our money. We put stock time. into it. We have proposals. We go... We, we just make modern sitars. Modern sitars. We'll learn how to play. We'll be in a band. She'll have another band for just us. Uh -huh. You know? I, and then I, we'll I, just I, be one big happy family. We'll all be married to each other, playing in the same band. <laughs> making the same we won't band. hammer out the frets, <laughs> the sitar frets, whatever they're called. Using no. uh, like old school tools, we'll actually machine them so they're like quality. And like we'll make them, we'll make them punk, like you know, for punk and metal musicians to like make sure we put extra like you know ridges so they can grasp it when their hands are all sweaty and gross. Right, like a double you know? sitar like the too. like the body of a sitar and the neck of a sitar right. is yeah. so finicky, so like well crafted. Mm -hmm. Dude. And then they like cheap it on the, the other stuff. Yeah. Whatever even the, well, the nice well, sitars. You're like, why? You no, know, I well, could probably eat up the next 15 minutes of your podcast explaining why, but but I will just say that there is merit in the the construction sure there of is. it. I mean, <laughs> hey, some of the stuff it's like, why really why? You know, like but But the tuning peg, for example. Like really Yeah, yeah, here but you know, there are people that make hybrid sitars. In fact, there's a guy named Ashwin Batish. You should check him out. Um Sitar Power. He's the guy that in the seventies okay. he transliterated that's not the right word, but he took a lot of, you know, ragas and Indian scales and he wrote them into Western music and he he, he like had this whole personality, sitar power, and he's cool. He went on the, the talk show circuit and stuff. Um and I met him and I went to his shop in Santa Cruz, California. And it's awesome. Right. Like he has these crazy, you know, these hybrid sitars. And if you look online, there's like a thousand different models of electric sitars or like sitars with the gourd and with mechanical tuning um, pegs, you know, like you're saying. But what happens is that... Like a classical sitar except with mechanical tuning pegs. Exactly. <laughs> but what happens is that every part of the sitar, because it's it was honed over thousands of years, you know, it, it has an intention. And, and when you have... Um, and you add extra machinery or you take away from the very direct contact the wood has with the metal, you know, you, you get, you lose some of the nuance of the instrument, you lose some of its voice. And that's what I'm realizing. Even I have mine, I had mine custom fitted with a, a quarter inch cable so I could like plug it into a Marshall amp. But even right. doing that, you lose the, the subtlety of what's called the taraf strings or the, the, 
the um, sympathetic strings that you never play. Right. But if you if you hit the right frequency, they sing. You know, but you can't. The the amp just doesn't have the brain to figure out how to like really catch that. No, it just turns it distorts. It. Yeah, it's it's weird. And so as much as I bemoan it, it's in in a way it's sort of I feel like it's symbolic of my relationship to my heritage. Right. I'm always like. It's fancy. I don't know if I need it. You know, when I was a teenager, I don't know if y'all experienced this as angsty American teens, but. Oh, no, we were so (laughs) well behaved. You totally just integrated perfectly in this inexplicable like mess. Yeah, I mean, not no, no one ever got into no no one ever tried to bully me or anything for being brown. That never happened. So I don't think you guys you know went through that, but I no, never. <laughs> no, we all have been through it, right? That that's what brings us together. I think is that, but but really, I think the sitar was like I thought I could just pick it up and play, and I see dudes on YouTube that are like, "Hey, this instrument's really cool. I'm just gonna play it like a guitar." You know, it's like no man, like like respect. No, it's got to, totally its own style of playing. Sure. <laughs> I don't disagree with it's that. It's just even the strumming. Like, everything is so different. You're not, like, you're not murder. Like, it's more murderous on a guitar. It's so much more power, like, on a sitar. Even mm. the smallest, gentlest nuzzle makes a different, you know, noise. And it's so beautiful. And it- I would love to play it. And I could, I wasn't able to. Like, I didn't, there wasn't, like, you know, places around here. Yeah. And um, I and learned how to play a couple of. Yeah, and then you find like I learned how to play some Indian music, like some Indian ragas, and you were tabla oh, player. Yeah, right? I'm not a tabla player. That is a stretch. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I could do, I could do little bit. I could do three teen tiles. Like yeah, like I can't. Like I can't. Patty, some some people call themselves tabla players and know much less than you do. So, bro, and so I love what you were talking about prior about how you know you're getting sitar lessons from also a different, a similar type of musician. When I was learning tabla. The people I was te- was teaching me, they don't know how to read music at all. And I came from, not that I would say I'm a musician, musician. I played in school and like, you know, little things here and there, but I know how to read music. And so when I'm like, oh, so can you write it down? I'll just read it. He's like, I don't know what that is. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like this. I kind of taught him while he taught me, but there was only so much he could teach me because it was at a temple and it was free and it was a young kid. And like, mm-hmm. he's like, well, I can't. And the, the thing was it, and like, he was really cool. He's just like, unfortunately I can't teach you more, more of this because I, cause you know, music and like, you need an actual teacher. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going by ear mm-hmm. and see, like I can go by ear, but I, I like to understand it a little better. Cause when I'm practicing and I'll be honest with you, like, listening is so easy to play because you can kind of you know muddle a little bit and jam out a little bit so you're like you can fill it right there's a lot of filler and we're brown people we know how to fill that shit forever (laughs) you know what i'm saying this i totally know what you're saying and you know back to the vocalist thing because i think this is a key thing that i learned and and i think well i hope that this helps other people feel like you know the value of our our traditions that are non- um, that are oral, you know, that are that are passed down through singing and speaking. Every instrument, at least in the the, the tradition that I'm learning, which is uh, called Hindustani music, it's Northern Indian classical music. Every instrument, whether it's harmonium or sitar or even tabla, you know, they are meant and they're built to imitate what's considered the perfect instrument, which is the human voice. 
you know if you think about it you know every tabla has a tone right it's not just yeah. ta din din dha it's ta din din dha you know it has like a very particular um yeah tone, it does right so it sounds like when you well, yeah and it's funny how i that and going back to that like i there's one tintal that i sound i think it sounds like a swallowing like a person swallowing because mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. the weird yeah and they have like a if you can mix it like the geese and stuff like different ways of pulling it like oh, again yeah. i'm not a tabla player right so i don't know that pulling oh girl you are name, you are you get it right? see but that's the thing is that i think because you've grew up hearing the music it's intuitive to you in a way like even so the, the, it's idea. different for me though because you guys are actually daisy like i'm far rem- like a like couple generations removed from that and mixed up with other things so for me like i i hear indian origins within our music and also mm-hmm. we're very similar to like we have a lot of like south american mm. you know um native influence and african beats like yeah. african drumming in our music and what people don't realize is how similar african and indian musics are oh, totally like yeah, totally you we know it's just so many- like like to talk to a younger person now who doesn't understand like what afro beats is it's like a normal t- like kaida that or or a a a a tintal that you would start off a, a first morning raga, mm-hmm. you know, like a middle raga. And that's another thing with Indian, like Desi music is like, like, well, it's, it, they have different moods for each piece. Right. So that's like that's, another thing to kind of understand, like grasp it because just like how you were talking mood. about. Yeah, it is. And it sounds like a meme, like, oh, it's a mood. No, it really is a mood, bro. <laughs> Current hashtag mood, right. Has, hashtag, hashtag it really raga. is a mood, son. Hashtag yeah, raga. so... And there's things that you play when it's raining. There's things that you play. Like, it really yeah. is a mood. It's like, do we align? We align in our chakras out here. Like, it's not. <laughs> it's not. How do you, but I want to address something you said, because it makes me think a lot. And I think about this myth of purity, right? Like, I mean, that's really important. I won't even go into it all right now. But what's happening in India, though, the myth that, you know, that, oh, we are pure Indian, because that's dangerous, right? I think there is no such what's thing as pure, pure Indian. Well, right now, the BJ. JP and the Hindu right in India. Oh, I I get what you're saying, but I'm saying like even India was under British colonization for a very long time, and that's how my ancestry ended up in the West Indies, and that's what a lot of Indians don't know. Like a lot of Desi people don't even know about that trade, and they're like indentureship. What is that? And why are there there's Indian people in like Trinidad and Jamaica and Guyana, and like, and I get mistaken for Bengali all the time, and like (laughs) so lovely. No, I'm kidding. No, a lot of people think like I know I look super South Asian, but like my body type isn't just like neck up. It's like, oh, dude, this chick is definitely South Asian, <laughs> but I'm taller than most of you guys. So it's like, wait, what? <laughs> well, I think that the thing is that, you know, really like you're saying, you know, you're from the West Indies and from the Caribbean, people who are from parts of the world where there's been mixes and cross-pollination of cultural influences for thousands of years. India is one of those places, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that the idea of, you know, being able to feel or hear rhythms in an intuitive way, whether they origin their origins are in Africa or in India or in Brazil, you know, there's something to that. And I think that one thing for me that I'm learning and becoming more confident in in music and any form of self-expression is to trust that knowledge. You know, like just because you didn't go to school and learn tra- traditional classical Western, you know, notation, that doesn't make you any less oh. of a musician. And I'm not saying that you, you, I mean, the, the royal you, y'all, you know, if yeah. you know how to dance to a beat, 
that is deep music. That is deep wisdom. You know, not everybody can dance to a beat. You know? <laughs> I know if you go to Patty's family weddings, you would think otherwise. Oh. Dude, don't even say the W word around my family, please. (laughs) This beautiful piece of like Instagram wisdom was like something about, I'm so sorry that I I don't remember the the person who originally it should be attributed to, but it's something about how before we can write, we draw, you know, before we can walk, we dance. And that, that kind of these, these expressions and this artistic impulse to create is so deep within us as humans, you know? And again, I don't mean to be wooey, but I think really we live in a society where it's like you can get a degree in something and that means you have Mm -hmm. credentials. And it's like, I think we're, I think, I think like our generation is actually like, like the, the, I guess the first and second generation brownies that were educated here Mm -hmm. are really taking that back too. like a lot of us are not, we were born in, in the States or wherever have you, like in North America. And so like this relationship between understanding being, you know, uh, American, like, you know, Westernized and then, you know, your Eastern, your, your Eastern cultures and, you know, all mixing in together. And, and, and a little note, like what I wanted to kind of piggyback on before is like when we talk about Indian music it's not secluded to one thing because you can have Bhojpuri right. influences Tamil influences you Curry know Soka. Prati. yeah like so many different things and just how Indian music is broken down into so many so many subcategories upon subcategories the same thing with Caribbean music and mm. like if people are not familiar with like the West Indian Indo-Caribbean music oh. think about Cuban music like think about you know and if you are Daisy and you're curious to know what Daisy music sounds like you know to people who kind of have and so there's the a pretty a very beautiful aspect of like my culture is that because we came my ancestors came over they held on so tightly to the little culture that they remember Mm -hmm. and so you'll have very folksy type of um like like uh i guess like kawali type of you know guzzle type of um like types of music as Mm -hmm. well and like when i introduce that to like daisy people they're like wow that's like really folksy like my grandparents like that kind of stuff like we don't even do that kind of stuff and we've and on our cultures made it to the point like we twisted it so we can dance to everything because we like to party so (laughs) (laughs) you know i have to say one of my friends in boston uh, um who i collaborated with levi ali and he's trini and yeah, he's. I know, I know Levi. You know Levi, incredible drummer. Shout out to Levi. Shout out Levi, just just really really incredible musician and thoughtful person. And one, um, you know, he really helped me get a window into Trini culture and and especially Trini Indian heritage. And and he was really he gave a wonderful talk actually about drumming and Trini and music as resistance in Trinidad and how yeah and Africans you know aligned and we and we're in solidarity together to fight slavery and indentured servitude and that music was such a critical part of that and when really when you think about the history of colonialism in India in the African subcontinent or really anywhere right what do they come for first they come for your culture they come for your drums yeah. they come for your language and so you know? and it's funny that you mention that because we don't speak any language but in English and mm-hmm. Then, and it's a kind of coincidental how you you speak about that now because right now we're gearing up in the West Indies to start celebrating carnival and that's the oh. that's basically our like a lot of people don't they think oh it's all pretty everybody's dressed up like peacocks yeah 
but it's our it's what our, we're paying homage to our ancestors that right. fought for their freedom and that's how they fought and then they celebrate it every day is something very significant and I don't want to get into it too much on the podcast but yeah there's like you know there's different days and you observe different things and and it's the the last day is the day before Ash Wednesday and it's a very religious type of like like not religious carnival specifically but like the idea of like being emancipated and then and no matter what, you know, deity you, you, you like offer to, like, it's kind of funny how like the next day is a holy day. It's similar to Mardi Gras, right? So you, mm-hmm. like you celebrate this freedom, you know, and then you just like are thankful about it. And, and I think that's pretty cool too. Oh, I think it's, and, that's so beautiful. It's spiritual, right? It's like you said, it's a tribute to our ancestors. And in some ways, I mean, spirituality is just that, right? And, and, like it's just about connecting to the generations across time and sound vibration music is, is such a, an intuitive way to do that. Right. And for some of us, that's all we have. Yeah. And I, as for some of us, that's how we learn about our cultures too. Like a person yeah. like me, you know, I, I know a lot about my culture through, you know, the normal, the normalcy, the normal things that people th- like connect on food, music, <laughs> you know, that type of stuff. And I like, those two things for me are synonymous. the creative arts i feel like and it's funny because we, we in daisy culture you know arts is not seen as something that you go after to like to make money. financially yeah everybody likes art but not for money right like everybody you become a doctor and do art on the side like you have to like the typical daisy woman must be an a plus med student you know engaged at 22 and an amazingly amazing Bharatanatyam and Odyssey dancer and she had the minor katak when she she already had master katak when she was like 10. The classical and traditional arts right here's the thing though here's the thing and and honestly it's changing like you said Patty and I think you know honestly Johnny you 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 know this too y'all have seen this generation of younger folks than us because we don't care (laughs) because we don't care sorry mom sorry dad I'm still doing what I want to do because you got money now no peace no you know what I don't think it's that I think like even talking about like we saw ways of improving improving our arts like you can do dancing Mm. and you can also do it to a hip-hop blend or ballet infusion to it and you see how how my sister's a Bharatanatyam dancer so like when she does like collaborations it's more things yeah it's just you see how you can integrate it to teach other people and 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 put your cultural flair on it like things that you naturally how you naturally swing your hips like i can naturally swing my hips but it's more of like a daisy africana type of thing when i when i um listen like if i'm dancing spanish like any kind of like merengue or like spanish types of music the hips are swung a little differently so it's like a kind of innate idea like even thinking about dancing and music in a whole like how it makes you feel you can kind of know the feeling you'll you'll know what type of music is and flavor is just by listening to the instruments very very easily you know here here's what i think is actually changing like i today later i'm going to be talking to another friend of ours mutual friend y'all know nina Bhattacharya. yeah uh, she does a podcast too huh yeah, they do a podcast too. You yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just, I said I'm doing the press junket because I'm talking to her later tonight. But, you know, she and other artists are <laughs> like 10, 15, 20 years younger than us, you know. Uh-huh, yeah, they're, they're much younger than us. They are. And, I mean, let's be real. Like, we're the grunge kids. We're the 90s lovers. Like, that's cool. You know, we're, we're all kind of, you know, moving toward that middle part of life. And that's awesome. But what I see that is so wonderful that I did not see when I was a kid is, like, 
legions of fantastic South Asian, they see, you know, yeah. ancestor, people who have lineage from many, many places making art that not only honors the traditions of their past, but also that, that radically rewrites the future. Yeah. And I feel like I was just telling my younger cousins that I feel like our generation, like think about skateboarding, we're the ones that broke our arms and they're the generation that's just going to skid their knee because we taught them. <laughs> that's beautiful. That is like so, that? so true. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, it's like, hey, motherfucker. For you guys. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But re- no, it's true. I, I think that every every generation of creators, whether it's writing, podcasting, you know, new media, making paintings, doing innovative forms of dance and movement or music, you know, we, we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. Yeah. And, but I, what, I am so happy to see this, the dynamic of you must be a doctor or else, you know, changing <laughs> on some level, because I, I just see so many people pursuing art as a career. And if not, you know, as a career, then really as a serious undertaking, because by and the I way, know and I've met a lot of people that were going through those, you know, doctor, law or engineer, and then switched and ended up being in the arts shit that's what I did I mean I'm a starving artist right now like like it's great I'm actually grateful to be married (laughs) because again shout out to my spouse because (laughs) no no, but really I I, it's uh, I'm just I'm sorry to be so overly passionate about it but when I see you know younger people doing this it just it makes me so happy because that is that is why I did it. You know, I, I say this on like everything I ever talk to people about, but I did this because when I was growing up, I didn't see aunties up there shredding. You know, I didn't <laughs> see aunties, you know, saying like smash capitalism. You know, I didn't see aunties talking about patriarchy. So you're going to look up Soka. You got to talk to Levi and you can also talk to me. There's a lot of Soka and Chutney and reggae artists <laughs> that are, cre- are female, like mm-hmm. friendly, that are fucking insane like what i grew up with mm-hmm. that you see a woman gyrating on stage and completely like like voc- the vocalist and fucking singing like singing down the house and still like on every single beat you know what i mean mm-hmm. and we see that with mm-hmm. other other cultures but daisy culture is such a weird thing it's so suppressed it's so mm-hmm. weird it is weird and honestly what you know when i was growing up i was taught that our culture is this very one specific thing it didn't yeah. include muslims it didn't include people from the Caribbean, it didn't include, the, you know, Fijians, we had one Fijian family in our community, and they were mercilessly teased, you know, and it was, so I had this, like, understanding of the AC culture that was so tragically narrow, and thank God to the work, I thank the goddess, you know, to the work of activists like y'all, and to, like, Sherman, and to other folks who are just out there expanding our worldview very necessarily, because right now, creatives, we got to create, you know, and we have to listen, we have to find our people and stick together and really just, because, you know, who's going to write the future? Creative people are going to write the future. And then we all, the rest of us have to manifest it, you know? Well, I mean, like I said, I broke the leg. Y'all going to scrape the knees now. I did that <laughs> I'll right. support y'all. You like, hear that? Your you patty know. empty. She's Exactly. exactly. My back hurts because of y'all motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. You better do something. You like you have it. And also they have it so much easier. Like just you use, <laughs> like you were saying, you use Bandcamp and Spotify. Like, bro, do you know how hard it was for us back then? Like... <laughs> Oh my god! Tape, then a- so I, to, I actually have to sit outside of other shows and like hand people you have stuff. To talk to you have to like learn, dude. If you didn't have social skills, you better figure them out. Oh my god! Well, I mean, yes, yes, and so, now, we, now we sound like so people. But Saraswati, I used to be a shy. You asked my mom when I was a kid. I was shy, shy, mm-hmm. shy, 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 and then I learned how to play guitar, and I had to live through the 
early 90s, playing music in the mid 90s, early 90s, late 90s, and had to like actually go to other people's shows whose music I didn't really like and I thought they kind of sucked and had to like pretend like I was their friend and like just to pass out my own CDs to people. Like, mm-hmm. you don't got to do that no more because with band I'm camp. Doing, well, you're doing it's kind of cool. You're doing it to drunk people. Like, nobody <laughs> wants to fucking listen to you about your goddamn CD. I'm using it as a coaster for my shit here. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm at- that's, I'm, dude, I have so many of those. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. I definitely listened. Like, if someone talked to me and they were engaging, and I definitely saw, because I know how that feels. Like, you know, I feel like our social skills are impeccable, because we had to be <laughs> jack of all trades. Yeah, we had to learn. You had to learn. You had to talk. You had to do the brown talking, because you had to make sure you socialize with the family the way you're supposed to. You're supposed to do right. cultural, you know, stuff. You got to be good at school, and you have to make sure you speak proper English, because God forbid you pronounce anything with a fucking accent your parent is gonna smack you to the motherland you know i have to say though that i'm glad that i'm not growing up as a young artist during the age of social media because (laughs) honestly the one thing is that you know in the 90s like maybe a tenth of the people that played guitar play you know play guitar now played guitar because now everyone can make an album right anyone can make a anyone can be a model, anyone can be an influencer, right? So there is a lot more noise. So I give the, you know, the next generations that, that they're competing against so many other people. But that's why I think solidarity is beautiful, is that if it's like, no, there's room for everyone. As actually, as Nina often reminds all of us, that there's room for all of us. She celebrates yeah. crazy creatives, you know, it's, but yeah. honestly, for those who are trying to earn a living doing art, there's never been a worse time. You know, it's just like, I mean, so yes and no, yes and no, right? Because there are like, you have to expand the idea of the brown creative audience, right? We're brown people creating art, but we're not just making it just for brown people. It's great to see yourself represented, but I create my art not because I want brown people to just like it. I want everybody to like it. I, I'm not thinking it's appropriate. You know what I mean? Appropriation is right. And, you can and the brown that. aspects of it and the brown aspects of our art is it's because we're brown. Right. So we that bring a piece of ourselves, not because we're trying to like, like hype something down we're like this is who i am right yeah and i feel like it should be embraced like you know if you want to wear your like very indian looking piece of gold and your septum ring it could be both of both cultures you want to be like you know want to be a goth and you want to represent your inner goddess all of- no, i mean definitely patty you do that i know um, let's be honest <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't wear, I mean i don't wear the septum jewelry for work but you know what I mean? Like, I think like... You do. It's just flipped. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I wear the retainer. Yeah, no, I and honestly, I'm... I get that question a lot is, who's your music for? Who's your music for? And I'm like, yeah. would you ask like a guy named Todd that? For no, everybody. Of course not. No, and, and I think... For and, and, and that also goes to like the idea of people are still very misogynistic when it comes to art, especially in certain genres. And you play rock, like right. any kind of rock, metal, punk, you know, like you play you punk and like, you know, and, and it's just like this is still for some reason still dominated in a way that men think that it's, it's something more for men because men feel like they're the only ones that can be aggressive and fucking shout and want to beat the shit out of shit. And that's not true. By the way, I have to make a plug because I know you're both, you know, lovers of punk and metal. Um, every for the last few years, and actually coming up again this May in Philadelphia, there's an incredible festival. Awazdo got to play last year. It's it's brown and black hardcore and punk. It's called Break Free Fest. And yeah, I think you were telling me and another band online was telling me about it too. Oh my, I have, you know, to walk into a room full of black and brown folks who look like you, 
who love heavy, aggressive music, who are every gender, who are, you know, just like tatted up, pierced or not, or hardcore straight edge or whatever. And then, and then hands you a roti and says, (laughs) no, for real, in between sets, they would be like, you know, like a, a hardcore band from Texas. Right. And then people would be dancing to like Cardi B. You know, in between, because, you know, because we're people of color, it's like, yeah. we don't have to fit into those labels, we transcend them, you know, and it was just so, it was almost like, yo, but how punk is Cardi, though? Place. Be real, though. How, how punk is Cardi? Oh, Cardi is so punk rock, right? Like, that's <laughs> the thing is, punk is an ethos, punk is a, a spirit, and she, she embraces that. And, and the reason she's so popular is because she actually injected some, like, this, I don't know. I'm sure there's a million think pieces on Cardi, but yeah, yeah, she, there's a lot. Look, you know, like a, I remember the leader of um, Soul Glow, this really rad hardcore band from Philly. You know, the lead singer was wearing a Cardi B T-shirt, <laughs> and he's like, you know, like <laughs> I know, I know a lot of my like I know a lot of my relatives who are like super like you know big brolic dudes that like <laughs> like Cardi B like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and they know crazy. like all the lyrics. So it's like it's cool because she's not awesome. You know, it's not just. I think like people they they just put everything in such like these very already <coughs> oppressive boxes, Box. and you know, and everybody says, "Oh yeah," with now the internet, people are getting more inclined to listen to other types of music and do this and stuff. I don't know if that's really true. I think that, and it's cool that you and Nina talked about this that there's room for everybody, oh, but yeah. it's. But everybody doesn't want to try something new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like going back to the idea of like who are you playing your music for? You're just you're just playing your music. You're not really thinking about me. Yeah, that's what, you know? that's what it boils down to. I'm playing it for me. Yeah. And honestly, I'll say this. Sorry, just because you guys gave me a little bit of a floor is there's moments where I'm like, why am I playing rock music? No one gives a shit about rock music anymore. You know, like, should anymore? I do Huh? Anymore? Anymore. Right? I mean, well, no one's given a shit about rock music for like 20 years, you know? Yeah. No, that's not true. But that's not true. Of course, there's always people talk about like the downtown boys and punk, like, wow, punk's back. I'm like, no, it just never went away. It's just not the popular music of right now. And and there are moments where I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I so passe? Like, why am I like, am I just living out what my teenage self? Should I be making like dance hits? I don't know what's popular right now. Is Lady Gaga still up? And then I'm like, you know what? Shut it down. Just dismiss that inner critic, you know? Like, And if you get the JCPenney, you know, deal that you play the music in the background, take it. Depeche Mode does it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to survive, you know, just get my garbanzo yeah. beans paid and for. And get a 10% coupon for your duvet covers. You know, okay. I don't see what's the problem. Right. I mean, smash capitalism, but I'm just trying to live. <laughs> Can you help with yeah, that? We still, yeah, we Gotta make money. Yeah. We like the luxury. Um, so... We're getting on that hour, and I'd like to uh, give you a few more minutes, if you can, just to plug all your multiple venues. And obviously, I'll also uh, post the links when we post the podcast, so we have the ability. And the cool thing is, just so you know, that when this like goes to like iTunes and stuff, they're all like clickable links. Supposedly, they claim. Yeah, they click. So like, if I put, so they'll show up. So you'll be able to click them in iTunes if somebody gets the, the podcast on itunes or on android yeah you just open awesome. on yeah when you just like you just like uh expand the summary if you're you're, you're the listener right now and it should be right in front of you all her links in blue wonderful yeah yeah what's so, the first link i i think so for things that i'm personally and directly involved with um 
check out girl, the Girls Rock Camp Association, um, GRCA. I don't know exactly what the URL is, but um, I could tell you. The, G, the Girls Rock Camp Association is the global kind of mother organization. It's not a, a, um, like a head office, but it's our kind of alliance. Um, I'm sorry, it's the Girls Rock Camp Alliance. Oh my gosh, <laughs> sorry. GRCA, because in it, you will likely find, if you live in a major urban area especially, um, there are Girls Rock Camps, not just for children, the week-long rock camps in the summer, um, starting at age six, Johnny. You know you got a daughter, um, but they all. I'm all about that. You gotta, you gotta know that <laughs> she's gonna be one of the most well prepared girls' rock entrances ever. Oh my I'm god! Just letting you know, because me and my wife are both musicians and sing. She's my wife's a singer, and I'm a guitar player. And uh, mm-hmm. little baby is gonna be badass. I mean, she already that. wears leather, so. Maybe <laughs> punk. You gotta believe it. It's, it's 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 pleather, to be fair. But I got her a biker jacket. She's got to match daddy. <laughs> like of course she did. That's super cute. But- <laughs> and when she when she can like hold up her feet enough, we'll get her like some docks. I got a I got a, a, a jean jacket for her, and I'm gonna put up some patches on it. Oh my god! I can't put pin I can't put pins in it yet because she's too little. She might like stab herself. Yeah. Yeah. Get the safety. But part. as soon as I I might I was told I can use. A hot glue gun yeah. to pin, put the pins on. You yeah. could, but they fall off. Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to fall off, right? What are you going to do? I could definitely help you with the, the little back patch. I'll stitch it in. Oh, sorry. No, I don't need to stitch it. I'm going to iron it on, and I can stitch it, too. Come on, yeah. man. You know I'm domestic. Yeah, I'll put little baby spikes on it, so she oh won't hurt I'm not. I'm not, your, I'm not your typical dizzy boy. Yo. I know how to sew. I, know, I can cook. I know exactly what to do. I, I'll get, like, little spikes, and I'll paint them, like, you know, pink, and I'll write her name jojo on her back like in the spikes in the back new business idea creating tiny back patches for hipster babies yeah not even hipster we're like punkster i don't know there's got to be word anyway grca girls rock camp alliance look us up we're called musicians um girls rock boston.org for those who are listening in the boston area um i don't even know girls rock camp phoenix but if you are in the phoenix valley check them out um but often in in new york city willie may rock camp for girls in brooklyn does a a program for adults so patty if you wanted to get your weekend oh shit yeah i'm just saying um and then my uh website which is in need of an update but remains is saraswathijones.com that's saraswathi with an h inexplicably and trying to be cute s-a-r-a-s-w-a-t-h-i jones.com um you can also find me at saraswathijones.bandcamp.com um and you can find me on spotify and of course you know that i always it's it's always awesome to go to Bandcamp because you can pay the artist directly and buy merch from them and spotify gives us nothing but I also understand that that's the way of the world right now. So well, I mean, you have—they do give you something, but you need a million and a half downloads yeah. before you get like five and bucks. Not Ariana Grande. So unfortunately, that will not work. Other things that I wanted to briefly mention is You're please, way better. We need to <laughs> stop. I am. I know. Um, check out the Helene Wurlitzer Foundation. dot um, org. Uh, that link will be up on Apple Apple uh, on iTunes. Uh, but Helene Wurlitzer, it's the it's the fellowship that I'm a part of right now. And I'm realizing that it's it's really not possible for everyone just to take three months off, off of life. But it's important that we get more folks of color into these programs. It's just it's just so important. Oh, my God. Um, Why would you I, tell me about this like 15 years ago? Come on. <laughs> 
Um, Marble House Project in Vermont, please check that out. They are actually actively asking for more participants. We have, I, I can't release the name of somebody I know from Boston who recently got one of these three-week grants to go uh, make music on the farm. But um, what, another famous, uh, famous to me, Brown, <laughs> Brown brother, um, Zane, uh, Zane Alam from the band Hamesha. They're based in New York. Um, oh, Zane yeah. just completed his Marble House Project residency and and created some really beautiful new work. Um, if you haven't seen Hamesha's new music videos, check them out. They are lush, they are beautiful, they are delightful and just so, so wonderful. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. There's other there's other residency programs and really for anybody, I'm not an expert, you know, I'm learning, but anybody who's interested in doing something like this or just branching out, honestly, hit me up on Facebook, shoot me a note um, or a DM on Instagram. I'm happy to talk with people because, again, we definitely need to diversify the voices in these programs. Otherwise, these arts institutions are going to stay elite, you know, and they're going to stay Eurocentric. And that's and, and the world is just not moving that way. So write the future with me. Eurocentric, every last one of them. <laughs> All right. With that, everybody, tune in next time. Tune in this time. Tune in all the time. Nerdvana.nyc. Been a great show. Thank you for coming on, Saraswati, uh, once again. Patty, thanks for reminding me to come into the podcast. Otherwise, <laughs> I get lost in my world. Thanks, and to thank Jojo. you to the audience. We'll talk to you guys soon. And thank we thank so Jojo because her little badass self is why we do the podcast. Jojo, I thank her all the time. We love you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you again. It was super fun. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.